Welcome to Season 6 of the Great Quotes for Coaches podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping coaches, teachers, and leaders of all types become their best through the use of quotes. I'm your host, Scott Rosberg. Each week, we'll discuss inspirational, impactful, and motivational quotes to help you become your best as you work to lead your teams to become their best. So make sure you've laced them up tight, you're focused on your target, and you're ready to dive in to today's great quotes for coaches. Well, hey, everybody, and welcome to the Great Quotes for Coaches podcast. And today we are continuing on with our series that we have been had started a few weeks ago. Um, if you recall, the last two episodes, well, I, actually, I should say three, because um, three episodes ago, uh, called it was about reading the signs, and I mentioned in that in that episode the concept of, of reading the signs put in front of us that had happened to me while reading a book, and then I held off on telling you about the book until two episodes ago, and I was just planning to do that one episode on this book. Um, <laughs> the book is called Change Your World, if you haven't been listening. Uh, it's by John Maxwell, who I did a long series of uh, his quotes over a six-month time frame last year, the last six months. Outstanding quotes. He's he's become my mentor from afar. Uh, Coach K uh, from Duke had been at that, um, and certainly still is, but now John Maxwell is another one of them. John Wooden. I mean, we should all have mentors in our lives, those who we know, those who we deal with personally, but also those who we read and learn from that way. And John Maxwell has become a, as big a mentor as I have in my life now. Anyway, <clears throat> so two episodes ago, I told you about the book Change Your World by John Maxwell and Rob Hoskins is his co-author. A um, lot of great things from him too. And so that's all I was going to do. And once I started typing up my notes from all the highlighting I did in my in the book, I only had gotten two chapters worth down, and it had taken me an hour, hour and a half, whatever it was, and I realized I'm just going to have to devote uh, each episode, uh, an episode per chapter. And so that's what I've done the last two weeks. Two weeks ago was called We Can't Wait for Change. Last week was called Be a Catalyst for Change. So this week, we moved to chapter three, We All Need One Another. And I told you last week a couple of the quotes that I read, uh, how those were signs smacking me over the forehead, in the forehead saying, I've got to do this thing that I've had on my mind for the last six months or so, this project that I want to do. And, uh, and so, la especially in the last episode, there were some of those quotes. Well, a story you're going to hear in this one really got me going even more so. So the, it, we'll, get to, we'll build to it. I have a lot in this chapter. It took me an hour just to do the notes for this chapter. So um, anyway, we all need one another. Those of you who are coaches, which I imagine are most of you, but I also know some of you are not, but you're leaders in other realms. And if you consider what you lead to be a team, you are absolutely going to, well, you're going to love this entire series of these. 
But there's so much here about team that is so important. And so I want you to consider how can you use these? That's the whole reason I started this podcast. How can you use quotes either in your own life, but more importantly for those of you who lead teams with your teams? Okay. All right. So this is, we all need one another. Uh, Mother Teresa said, I can do what you cannot, and you can do what I cannot. Together, we can do great things. You've probably all heard that quote before. Maybe, maybe not. But that is a classic from Mother Teresa. And then um, Maxwell quoted a guy named Sam Yoder. He's an Ohio business owner who went from He owns a business that they built outdoor patio furniture and outdoor fireplaces and all kinds of things like that. And then the COVID-19 pandemic hit. And they couldn't work. They were shut down. And it was like, what do I do? I got to keep revenue going. I got to keep my team team of workers. I got to keep them employed. They're going to fall if they don't get paid, et cetera, et cetera. And they quickly got together and figured out Let's trans transition and make face shields. And so they did. What a great story in the book. Again, you have to get this book, Change Your World. I do not want to sound hyperbolic, but it will change your world if you will read it and start applying the things. Anyway, Sam Yoder. The only thing that limits us in a time of crisis is our lack of creativity, that and recognizing that we all need one another. Hence the title of this chapter. But that's so cool, what, what he did, and that quote is too. Here's a heading, that, uh, the next heading in the chapter is, we is more important than me. And I, I like this one for, uh, obviously, as a coach, I like this, but when I, when I speak at schools for proactive coaching, and uh, we get to this, we're doing our life lessons for athletes talk, and we get to the section on selflessness. I have a, a line that is pretty much like that. You know, um, we the we is greater than the me kind of thing. And it is so true. He, uh, Maxwell and uh, Hoskins quote a guy, LinkedIn's co-founder Reed Hoffman said, no matter how brilliant your mind or strategy, if you're playing a solo game, you'll always lose, lose out to a team. Yes, those of us in the world of teams know exactly what Reed Hoffman is talking about here. And then Maxwell Okay, asks, am I ready to play on the transformation team? Remember, everything's about transformation, becoming a transformational leader, somebody who is able to add value to other people's lives. So he says, a group of people becomes a team that can make a difference when the majority of its members make the transition from thinking, the group is here to benefit me, to I'm here to benefit the group. Yes, that's exactly what we're trying to get our kids, our team members, to think. You know, yes, they're going to get things out of it, but the number one goal here is the team, and that's got to be the focus. He uh, quotes the the famous acronym TEAM, together everyone accomplishes more, although I always saw it as achieves more, but it's the same thing, right? Together everyone accomplishes more, and then he continues, if you want to change the world and be part of a transformation movement, you need to put we ahead of me. The next uh, heading is called Who is More Important Than How? Love that. Okay. Yes, how is going to be important, but who is with you and doing it is key. And then he, he has the entire Teddy Roosevelt quote, The Man in the Arena. 
I'm, I've been torn on whether I want to read this whole thing, and here's why. Because I've wanted to do an entire episode dedicated to it. And so, um, but then the next quote is by Brene Brown, who wrote the book Daring Greatly. And, um, you know, that, I mean, that's such a, I've already quoted from her from that, Daring Greatly, how the courage, have the courage, (laughs) sorry, I'm reading, how the courage to be vulnerable transforms the way we live, love, parent, and lead. Uh, Great book. And um, anyway, so she is referencing the man in the arena speech by Roosevelt. So I've gone back and forth. Do I want to read it or not? You know what? I'm just going to read it. Maybe I'll come back to it sometime and really zero in on it. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs and comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error or shortcoming, but who knows the great enthusiasms, the great devotion, who spends himself for a worthy cause, who, at the best, knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who... At the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who knew neither victory nor defeat. That has always been one of my absolute favorite quotes ever since I first heard it uh, 30 years ago, maybe. And it spoke to me as a coach who was struggling with the concept that hey, I'm out there working with these kids, trying to help them have a great experience. We're trying to win games, sure, and we're trying to win championships, sure. But we're giving everything we've got to this cause to become the best we can be. And you're sitting up there in the stands complaining about us. You're sitting up there, how about getting down here in the arena with us, Is was often the feeling. And I struggle how we often as coaches have an adversarial relationship with the parents of our kids. We shouldn't. We should be working together. But in those moments when I was either hearing it or thinking I was hearing it from parents or fans, community, whoever it was, it was like, well, why don't you cold, timid soul get off your butt up in the stands and come down and help us and do something about it, or at least quit complaining about it, everything? Why don't you come and talk to us and find out what we're actually doing? My blood's starting to boil a little bit, sorry. But I think a lot of you, Coach, know exactly what I'm talking about. This quote has long helped me, A, get through those situations, but B, also try to pass on to our, my players that the fact that you, we are losing right now and struggling maybe, you know, when you're going through tough times, don't for a second let that deter you from your cause. Don't for a second let that deter you from working harder. And don't for a second let that make you listen to those people who are in the halls at school or up in the stands or wherever who don't have the courage to come down and be a part of this themselves, or at least to try to help with it. Okay, I spent a lot longer on that quote than I wanted to. That's the kind of thing I want to do a whole um, episode. Maybe I'll go back and cut this whole section out and save it. We'll see. So 
Brene Brown, uh, Brene Brown, okay, quotes says in in the book Daring Greatly, where she get the title from the quote. The title for the book was from Roosevelt's quote. She said, "Going back to Roosevelt's man in the arena speech, I also learned that the people who love me, the people I really depend on, were never the critics who were pointing at me while I stumbled. They weren't in the bleachers at all. They were with me in the arena." fighting for me and with me. Nothing has transformed my life more than realizing that it's a waste of time to evaluate my worthiness by weighing the reaction of the people in the stands. The people who love me and will be there regardless of the outcome are within arm's reach. This realization has changed everything. Coaches, listen to this quote and understand That the people who you are there, you know, learning, working, fighting, whatever word you want to use with, that's your your fellow coaches, your players, your team members, the teammates, those who are in the arena with you. Ultimately, they are the only ones who matter. Yes, there are times we do need to listen to some outside voices. It gives us perspective. Absolutely. Doesn't mean we just shut everybody else off. I was accused of this at, at various points in my career. Heck, I believe it's it, it led to my not being rehired as a varsity uh, coach in my community. Uh, it still hurts today. And so I think, you know, I've been told that's what I, so I tried working on it, but uh, you know what? I, I, I will listen. I will try to take what people tell me, but I also have to keep in mind It is the people within our group here that matter the most. And the cold, timid souls out there who are not with us and know neither the taste of victory or defeat, I can listen, I'll balance what they have to say, and move on and know that what's most important are those people that are right here with me. Hugely important section. Next heading, what unites us is greater than what divides us. And uh, Maxwell quotes himself from the 17 Indisputable Laws of Teamwork. Shared values define the team. That's so good. If you're, He goes on in this book then. If your values and the values of the people on the team match, you will experience alignment, unity, and effectiveness. If not, you will never feel like there's a fit. You and they will remain frustrated. He goes on to say, once you've determined there's an alignment of values, focus on what you have in common, not your differences. What we focus on expands. If we focus on our differences, our differences increase. If we focus on what unites us, then our unity increases. Oh, that's so good. Yes, we're going to have differences. Yes, there's things that you know we won't agree on at all times. Okay, listen to it and let's move on. Let's zero in on, okay, but what do we have in common so that we can build this thing together? John F. Kennedy said, let both sides... Let both sides explore what problems unite us instead of belaboring the problems that divide us. Yes. Boy, does our country need that right now, doesn't it? Maxwell says, leverage the strengths you already possess and build on them to benefit others. So instead of focusing on our weaknesses, let's zero in on our strengths. Again, from the 17 Indisputable Laws of Teamwork, a great book of his too that I highly recommend. All players have a place where they add the most value. 
I've tried to teach this to my teams for years. Some of you are scorers, some of you are rebounders, some of you are passers, some of you are screeners, some of you are, are practice players, cheerleaders, helping your team in, ver- in a variety of ways. Don't it, it, They all have great value. Well, I, as the coach, need to make sure that they understand that but and then put them in those great places. He says, you have a unique role to take and uh, the unique contributions to make if you can find them. Okay, let me try that again. He says, you have a unique role to take and unique contributions to make if you can find them. When you do, you make the team stronger, more complete. We'll be back after a quick break. The Coaching Conversation 2024. This podcast is 100% dedicated to leadership and leadership within the workplace coaching area. We work with companies throughout the world teaching leaders how to coach their employees. This podcast is dedicated to teaching specific strategies, frameworks, coaching models, and now artificial intelligent strategies to help leaders drive greater teamwork, collaboration, cooperation, greater attitudes, better motivation, coaching career development, just to name a few. I hope you'll check out our podcast. Then the next heading, collaboration is more important than cooperation. Oh, I love this idea. Cooperation is unity for the sake of unity. Cooperation says, let's just get along or else nothing will get done. Collaboration is unity for the sake of shared vision. Collaboration says, let's work together because this has to be done. The implication of cooperation is that people are not working against one another. You know, so they're cooperating. But when there is true collaboration, they are working for one another. They're intentionally going in the same direction, helping one another to achieve something all they all feel is worthwhile. Isn't this what you want on your team? So we don't want them to just cooperate with each other, kind of out of a duty, let's say. No, we want them to collaborate. Hey, we can do this. Let's all do this because we'll be so much better together. Then they talk about a method of collaboration called collective impact that was formed by John Kania, Kania. He's the managing director at the Foundation Strategy Group, and then Mark Kramer, the professor, a professor at JFK School of Government at Harvard. And they talk about this concept of collective collaboration that includes five important agreements. I'm not going to go into the whole thing. Uh, I've written it all out, but it's just too much. But they talk about five key things. You need a common agenda. You need a shared measurement system. You need contributing activities. You need continuous communication. And you need a support team. Oh, this was so good. So again, get this book so that you can read about how these things work together. A quote within this section, Vincent Van Gogh said, great things are done by a series of small things brought together. Oh, I've always loved that idea. And then uh, Maxwell, again, from the Indisputable Laws of Teamwork, says interaction fuels action. And then... Uh, Charles Blair, a mentor of John Maxwell, said, have an understanding so there is not a misunderstanding. Me, and so they're, they're talking in that section about you got to communicate with each other and stay in communication with each other. Otherwise, you might miss some key things that lead to mis- miscommunication and misunderstanding. All right, we're pushing 19 minutes right now. Uh, 
and we got it, we're getting to now the story, the most important section for me personally that hit me. It's a section on a, on a person named Casey Crawford. He played in the NFL for three years for the Panthers and the Buccaneers. He was a Super Bowl champion. And then he retired at age 25. He said he wanted to transition my life from entertainment to impact. He got into real estate, banking, and the mortgage, mortgage industry in Charlotte, North Carolina. He had a vision for how he wanted to make a difference. He said, our vision was to create a bank that would be known for how it loved its team members, loved its customers, and loved the communities it was a part of. He then said if the, if the company would become wildly successful, he'd put a limit on his own personal income and direct the excess profits toward helping people. So he start, and it, and it did. The thing grew, and he called the company Movement Mortgage. He started in 2008, just when the recession was hitting, right? He had four employees. By 2020, 12 years later, he had 4,000 employees in nearly 800 locations in 47 states. Holy cow. Talk about having an impact. But the numbers aren't what excite Casey. This is from Maxwell in the book. Changing the lives of people does. And so what he does, and they go into details, helping his own team members, the people on his own teams who are struggling in their own ways, financially and all, the things he does for them. And then how he's helped the communities, the community that he lives in. He wanted to offer better educational opportunities for local kids in, a, in poor sections of this community. So he created the Movement Foundation, and he began researching charter schools. He opened the Movement School in 2017 in Charlotte. It has grown. It grew so much. The local hospital also started talking to him about how tough it's been for them in this poor urban area. And he said, so he got involved with them. Uh, and, and they created an urban health clinic somewhere near the school in that area. But that wasn't enough. Then they started building affordable housing units in the area around the school and the health clinic. They have invested over $40 million in projects to make a positive difference in the world. What an incredible story. But here's why it hit me. It said, there, there's a couple things here. What started as a vision, this is, from Max, uh, this is from Casey Crawford himself. What started as a vision to bring a transformative school to a challenged area of our city turned into a holistic, redemptive development. As a person who's always loved being on teams and appreciated the power of teamwork, there is something powerful about seeing a community come together. Problems in America are too large for any organization to tackle alone. Hospital alone. Hospitals alone cannot change the experience of the urban poor. Schools alone will not change this. Housing alone will not solve the myriad problems that exist today for our children born into poverty. But great organizations working together with the right leadership for these types of teams makes me hopeful about what can be done to love some of the most vulnerable children in society today. Kudos to you, Casey Crawford. You are one of my new heroes. And I hope everybody listening is thinking, no kidding. Holy cow, that's awesome. And then Maxwell wrapped that part up saying, in other words, we all need one another. The final section in the, this chapter was called, The Need for One Another is Everywhere. He quotes author and speaker Patricia Fripp. Coaches, check this out. She says, a team is not just people who work at the same time in the same place. A real team is a group of very different individuals who share a commitment to working together to achieve common goals. 
Most likely, they are not all equal in experience, talent, or education, but they are equal in one vitally important way, their commitment to the good of the organization. Any group of people, your family, your workplace, or your community, gets the best results by working as a team. What a great quote. And I said, coaches, check this out. But all of you who aren't coaches, you're leading other teams. I mean, look at that. That is so, so good. Rewind and listen to that again, because that quote gets at the heart of what we do when we're building teams. Maxwell adds, if we work together, we can win together, making a difference. And then I want to wrap with this. Uh, Julie Lambert says, what does it take to be an effective team? She said it required the following, tolerance of each other's weaknesses, encouragement towards towards each other's successes, acknowledgement that each of us has something to offer, and mindfulness that all of us appreciate those three qualities. Maxwell says, when individuals put the team ahead of themselves, when they share the same values, when they collaborate together using whatever assets they possess for their cause, they can make a huge difference. If you want to change the world in a big way, then you know what you need to. Team up. What a great way to end that chapter. What a great chapter. This book is so, so powerful. I hope you are all liking these uh, episodes, but more importantly, I hope you all go get the book and read it. And I imagine some of you have done that and are starting to read it and go, Oh, oh yeah, here's where that, oh, I see where he said that, but you're also, some of you will be ahead of me and you'll hear the things that you've already read in these next few episodes. So uh, yeah, check it out. This is so good, um, so powerful. It's become one of my favorite books. Uh, Next week, we move on to this chapter, chapter four, let's all get on the same page. Such a key for all of us involved with teams. So come back for that next week on the Great Quotes for Coaches podcast. We will talk to you then. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Please do me a favor and leave a rating and a review and then subscribe to the podcast. Ratings and reviews and subscriptions are really helpful in getting more ears and more listeners getting a chance to hear podcasts. What we want to do is spread the messages of hope and inspiration from these great quotes to as many coaches, teachers, parents, and leaders of all types as possible. Also, check out our Slam Dunk Success site at slamdunksuccess.com and the Slam Dunk Success YouTube channel, where we have much more for you to help you on your road and your journey to success. I look forward to serving you again next time with another great quote for coaches. Coaches.